number for this. What is nothing? Now that's D. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's Deep Bro. Hey, bros. Welcome to That's Deep Bro. Serious questions with silly people. I am your host, Christina Pajitsky. And uh, this week's topic is the philosophy of futility, consumerism. Mm. Gets my feathers ruffled. <laughs> right? Don't you feel like we're constantly taken over by that stuff? Ugh. Um, so yeah, consumerism. But before that, I have a few announcements to make. Firstly, if you live in the Los Angeles area, come see me do stand-up. October 2nd at the Hollywood Improv um, 8 p.m. show. I'm headlining it in Hollywood. I'm super excited about that. October 2nd. It's coming up quick, so get your tickets fast. Uh, improv.com. Also on my website, thousandranch.com. There's a link to the tickets. You can buy them there. October 29th, I'm at the Brea Improv. One night only. 8 p.m. show as well in Brea, California. Same deal. Go to my website, thousandranch.com for links to tickets. Um, also, this Saturday, September 26th, uh, my jeans machine, Tommy Segura, and I are doing your mom's house live uh, at the Ice House in Pasadena, 8 o'clock show in the main room because the show is just a beast. And I hope there's still tickets left. I'm not sure, actually, if there are even. But I would love if you could join us. It's a, it's so much fun, that live show, man. Your mom's house is nuts. <laughs> Uh, also, I have a special announcement from my buddies over at the Partially Examine Life podcast. If if you haven't heard me discuss the Partially Examine Life, this is a show I, I, I absolutely recommend for anybody interested in philosophy. And by that, I mean like real philosophy, like book reading, book learning stuff. These guys, uh, Dylan Casey, Mark Linsenmeyer, Seth Paskin, and Wes Alwyn, these guys have advanced degrees in philosophy and they read the texts that most of us do not have time to read, but they read them in school and they're so kind enough to go over them in great detail and explain them to normal people like you and me. Who the hell has time to read Heidegger? Well, these guys did and they're going to explain it to you. So they have an event in Pittsburgh, September 26th as well, live partially examined life. So if you're in the Pittsburgh area, um, check it out. Go to their website, partiallyexaminelife.com to learn more about that. And uh, yeah, and that's, those are announcements. Also, it's just as a favor if you use Amazon, um, I hope you do, please use my banner to do your shopping on thatsdebropodcast.com. You click on my banner on my homepage and you do your shopping as you normally would and that kicks back a few pennies to the show. To the show. To the, to the show. To the show. God, it's a lot of announcements, right? What is going on today? What are you what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you on are you on the internet? Are you buying stuff today? <laughs> After I do my commercials for my show, I'm gonna <laughs> talk about the topic today of consumerism. I feel like it's it's unavoidable. It's in un, in uh, unescapable. Inescapable. Um you can't you can't get away from it, at least if you live in the United States of America. Everything is overly commodified. 
to the point where it's even if something's awesome, they manage to ruin it by commodifying the crap out of it. Uh, man, oh man. Take this job and shove it. I ain't Take this job and shove it. I ain't working no more. I'm moving in the cold. Welcome to Costco. I love you. Welcome to Costco. I love you. Welcome to Costco. I love you. Here. (laughs) That, of course, was from um, one of my all-time favorite movies, Idiocracy. It was a movie that Mike Judge did, um, I don't know how many years ago now, and it is, without question, one of the funniest comedies I have ever seen one of the most brilliant comedies, one of the most uh, forward-thinking and eerily uh, prophetic comedies ever. I, I, please watch Idiocracy tonight if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> and the irony of that movie is that Mike Judge made it, and he makes fun of Costco, he makes fun of Starbucks and all these major brands, and when he tried to release it world, like you know, in theaters, well, guess who had a cow over it? That's right. The advertisers, the Starbucks, the Costco's of the world, Um, people that sponsor the entertainment business were very upset by by the content of idiocracy that they're making fun of brands. And so Mike Judge had a hard time getting it into theaters. And that is why it's probably one of the hardest movies to find. Like nobody. I mean, not hard to find now, but I'm saying like it kind of came and went because it wasn't plugged it wasn't properly rolled out um and it didn't it's it sucks because it really is one of the funniest movies ever uh luke wilson who's (laughs) let's be honest a little easy on the eyes okay he's so cute (laughs) okay all right uh i I could watch luke wilson take a dump i i absolutely love him and everything he does um royal tenenbaums Absolutely. I'd be his stepsister. I mean, his adopted sister that he makes out with. Um, he's really cute in that movie. He's cute in everything. I mean, there's a time when he got pudgy, but who doesn't get fat? And then he thinned out again. He looks hot. I saw him in the airport once. I almost I almost dorked out, but <laughs> too cool for that, guys. Come on, grow up. Too cool. Idiocracy. Watch that shit. So, okay, someone wrote in a long, long time ago. Um, asking me to do the philosophy of futility. Uh, and I thought, wow, that's a, that's a pretty cool topic. What is the philosophy of futility? Well, it's a phrase coined by a Columbia University marketing professor named Paul Nystrom. I think it's Nystrom, N-Y-S-T-R-O-M, uh, or hopefully Nystrom, Nordstrom's, I don't know, to describe the disposition caused by the monotony of the new industrial age. I'm just reading this on Wikipedia, guys. Google it. Philosophy of Futility. Nystrom observed the natural effect of the malaise of this malaise was seeking gratification found in frivolous things such as fashionable apparel and goods. Nystrom, and this is back in 1938, this bro theorized that this human proclivity in the modern world could be manipulated to induce a vicious cycle 
of dissatisfaction and a desire for new consumer goods, thereby leading to increased sales of fashionable goods and services. <laughs> evil, evil, yeah, yeah. And isn't that what we're in? Isn't that what Mad Men, everybody loved that show? I tried getting into it, but it ultimately I just I couldn't deal with the sexism. It made me bonkers. But uh, wow, ain't that the truth? Aren't we enmeshed in some kind of evil cycle of, uh, of crap you don't need? There's that part. And, and the advertising industry that tells you, it started, they call them public relations, right? <laughs> which, which really is just code for we've applied psychology to advertising, uh, which we saw in Mad Men. And now we create needs in people and we use sex which is a basic human drive to procreate. Uh, we tap into your insecurities as a man. Maybe your penis is too small. Maybe maybe this car will give you a bigger peener. Tap into the insecurities of women. Are you kidding me? You're too fat. Your eyelashes are too tiny. Uh, your, your hoo-ha needs to be sanitized. Your mouth smells like garbage. For Christ's sake, would you brush your damn teeth? Everything's wrong. Your hair isn't shiny enough. Your feet are too big. I don't. I. I don't know, bros. But but that's the. Uh, that's where we're gonna go today. And I, I got to tell you, it, I, I've never really been into um, buying stuff. I've always kind of had a punker, a punker, more of a, I don't know, scarcity mentality. Because <laughs> my parents were Eastern blockers, and I just I never grew up with a ton of crap. I couldn't participate in consumer culture because we were broke. Not that I'm a better person, just we were broke. I couldn't get a pair of guest jeans when I was in seventh grade or kids because we couldn't afford that shit, okay? My mom took me to Payless, and we got whatever the shit was to Payless, and I got made fun of. And then I learned, guess what? I don't want to belong to consumer culture because <laughs> I, I just can't. I couldn't. So, I don't know. But I'll tell you what. It's, it's, I'm a mixed bag about it, I'll be honest. Because some of the stuff I kind of like now that I'm an older yuppie and I can afford to buy crap, I kind of like crap, you know? I mean, pathetic as it may be, sometimes my husband and I make an afternoon of Crate and Barrel. Yeah, I said it. Sometimes I, I like to go look at bowls inside of bowls inside of bowls. Sometimes I get a thrill from from finding the ultimate frying pan that meets all my needs, that is nonstick, the right size, that's going to last until my children need it and my grandchildren need it. I want the ultimate coffee press. I want to I want organic. I want I want sheets that are, you know, a thousand million thread count Egyptian cotton. Is that so wrong? Does that make me a shitty person because I'm participating in this consumer culture? Maybe. Maybe. I'll tell you one thing though. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Now that I've got this bun in the oven, uh, there's a thing called baby registry. Baby registry, what does that mean? It means it's time for me to put together a list of crap that my my infant will need, and then I ask my friends to buy that crap for me. But you know what? I refuse to do it. <laughs> I, I refuse to do it because, listen, I'm 39 years old. If I can't buy the stuff my kid needs by 39 years old, I probably shouldn't be having the kid. <laughs> That's how I see it. I feel like a I feel ridiculous asking people to buy my unborn baby stuff. That's that's just me though. You know, I don't I don't malign anybody for doing it cuz it's it's expensive. It's a racket. 
It is a racket, this baby stuff now, man. I mean, look, they've been commodifying childhood since the 80s, probably a little bit, no, earlier, 60s, 70s. But man, once you have a kid, <laughs> you ever heard of a store called Bye Bye Baby? It's uh, it's basically, it's Bed Bath & Beyond. It's the same company that uh, that does that store, which is like overwhelming to say the least and, and, and amazing at the same time, right? I mean, Bed Bath & Beyond, I get so excited when I go in there because the potential, the possibilities are endless uh, and it's wall-to-wall crap. I mean, they literally paste things up on the walls, up to the ceiling. So you you can't even, like, I'm so overstimulated when I go in there and I just, fucking love it i love i love that there's a thousand different smells that i can put on my body and you know what what are those called bath gels you want a candle well, there's five thousand candles and each one smells slightly different there's cinnamon but then there's apple cinnamon and then there's holiday cinnamon and then there's cinnamon spice they're all different guys <laughs> this is not the same candle you can't just have a candle but this bye-bye baby, man, I had no idea. Like, I've never been around babies. I've never even changed a baby's diaper in my life. I don't know what to buy. I don't know what to buy. But I'll tell you something, man. I Google this stuff on the internet. Like, what does a baby need? You wouldn't believe the crap that people tell you to buy. It's just endless list of shit I'm pretty sure you don't need. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Anyways, I made a bare minimum list and I went and I braced myself and I went into Bye Bye Baby and I went when I was a little hungry, which isn't a good idea because, I, you know, pregnancy hunger, man, that takes you over and, and there's nothing you can do. You get so I get so grumpy, I shut down. But I was so, I was so overwhelmed. Listen, listen, just to buy a stroller. Remember what stroll? When I was, I know I sound like an old fool when I say this, but when I was a stroll, a baby that needed a stroller, I saw my parents took me to Europe when I was like two years old. We went to Switzerland and uh, Hungary and all these places, and they put me in a stroller. There's pictures of me in a stroller that looks like two sticks and a hammock. <sighs> that was it, bros. They stuck me in that, and that's what we rolled around Europe in. Um, and now there's, I mean. There were at least, and I'm not even exaggerating, I would say 100, 75 to 100 different strollers alone to choose from. I, I don't know what makes one stroller better over another. I, what, what the fuck do I know? I've never pushed a kid in a, in a stroller. And then the stroller, but you need a car seat. You need a car seat, and it's got to be safe because safety first. It's got to be the best best car seat. You get, you get the car seat, and what the what's the best one? What's the one the moms approve of? And there's a million car seats to choose from, and it costs a fortune because you want your kid to be safe, don't you, asshole? Don't you love your kid, you piece of shit? Are you an unloving mother, you sicko? Of course not. So I got to buy the you know five six hundred dollar stroller with the 
car seat that comes in it and out of it and it's got a handbrake on it and it's got 500 wheels on it and I can put my water bottles in it and Velcro. It's so depressing. It's so depressing. (laughs) It's the worst. It's so depressing. All the best is, and then every, and I finally got all this crap, right? So I've finally accumulated all the crap I think I'm going to need for this baby's life. You know what I'm saying? I got swaddlers. I got a crib. I got a theme for my nursery because you have to have a theme, guys. You can't just have a nursery without some ridiculous cartoon animals all over everything. I have a theme. I have a, a rocker chair, whatever those swing. Don't call them rocking chairs anymore. They're called gliders. Oh, oh. I got a glider because the woman told me at the store, because the baby's used to you going back and forth like that, not rocking. Oh, okay. Um, I got the sheets. I got the changing table with the sheet on top of that. I got the thing. But every time some broad comes over and looks at my nursery, or I talk to another woman who's had children, she goes, well, did you find the ba 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 what about the ultimate baby swabbler? Do you have the rock and buy swabbler up your poop deck? Do you have a, this is my favorite one that a family member recommended to me. She came over, she liked my nurse, and she goes, oh, you know what you need? You need a baby wiper warmer. You have a baby wiper warmer? I'm like, what the fuck is it? What are you talking about? Well, <laughs> baby wipes, when they come out of the container, they're cold. You don't want to wipe your son's weenus with a cold wipe, do you? You need to buy a warmer to warm it up. I all, it took everything inside of me not to strangle her and uh, throw the baby wipe box at her dumb fucking face because you got to be kidding me, okay? L- let me tell you something. My father, my father was born during World War II in Germany in a tiny little shitty town in Germany. And my grandmother... And my grandfather were were on the run. They were trying to get out of hairy territory. My grandmother gave birth to my father in a church in a shitty, tiny little town in Germany. No doctors, no uh, technology, no, no fetal monitors. I'm sure they didn't even have prenatal vitamins. No ultrasounds. Certainly, certainly no genetic panel testing. That costs eight thousand dollars. By the way, by the way, if you want to get panel tested at ten weeks, it's eight grand that gets sent to your insurance company if you have insurance. I don't, I don't pay eight grand, but um, my grandmother gives birth to my father with a midwife, and then guess what? She gets pregnant again shortly after, and she walks from Germany to Hungary with my father in tow as a three-year-old. And she's pregnant with my uncle. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my Nana didn't have a baby wipe warmer when she was raising these two kids. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, they lived without the baby rockin' swaddler pack and play, okay? We did it. People, humans have been doing this crap for years. We don't need all this shit. But boy, oh boy, I mean... <sighs> Because I've never had a kid, I don't know what I need and what I don't need. I'm trying to pare it down. But there's so much bullshit. And you know, by the way, by the way, they've over-commodified everything. Everything sucks now. Everything, 
you can't even have a childhood without uh, it being completely overly. Look, it starts even with McDonald's. I love McDonald's. Don't get me wrong. I love fast food. It's delicious. The marketing assholes have figured out that red and yellow are the colors that children respond to the most. And everything's over salted and nice and sweet too at the same time. And you know what I'm saying? That's why McDonald's Coke tastes the best, right? It's got that perfect sugary to carbonation ratio. You can never get a bad Coke at McDonald's. And there's a reason because these these evil corporate uh, douchebags have orchestrated it to, to perfection. To perfection. But they've overcome on. I think maybe my generation, actually the one before me, may have been the last one to not be completely marketed to. No, not my, my generation is why I think it started. I think it's our, the 80s is when, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you actually what ruined children's cartoons and ruined childhood forever. Why kids are being marketed sugar cereals and all this crap. It starts with the animation industry, an industry I worked for for many years. You want to know why cartoons suck it so bad right now? Do you want to know why uh, there can never be anything as dope as like, I don't know, what do we like, Thundercats or ridiculous shows that had just like no meaning, you know? <laughs> they don't they don't make shows for fun anymore. They make the shows to sell you the toys. And it's all because of those cocksucker Smurfs. You remember the Smurfs? Yeah, the Smurfs, 99 dudes and one female Smurf. That sexist piece of shit show, the Smurfs. One girl Smurf, by the way. And and you know why I hate that fucking show? Because all the dudes had names like, you know, Brainy, Handy, I don't know, Hefty, Jokey, Greedy. These are, are these fucking Smurf names or Mexican gangbanger names? I don't know. But they all get, they all get identified, the males do, with an ability to do something. What does Smurfette do? I don't know. She's just the hot chick that gives everybody boners. She just brushes her hair and looks cute. She's Oh, she's the girl Smurf. That's her job. She's just the girl Smurf. Fuck the Smurfs. Smurfs can kiss my ass. So the Smurfs, what they figured out with is those stupid figurines that they made out of the Smurf cartoons. Remember those figurines? You could buy jokey and brainy and all of them, and and they figured that, dude, they're not just selling you one Smurf. You want all the Smurfs, right? That's 99, no, 100 Smurfs, 99 male Smurfs, sorry, and then the one female, but they really didn't have 99 Smurfs uh, characters. Uh, But they sold you everything, plus Gargamel and his dumb cat, and that's how they figured out that they could generate a lot of money off the ancillary of these cartoons. And so what happened was, by the time I got around to writing for cartoons in the early 2000s, they, I, my job literally is so evil. They Literally, I would sit at a desk and I, they would plunk down a toy in front of me and go, okay, write a show around this toy. I'm not even joking. And I remember one time, um, what were the stupidest toys? So Bratz was a big deal, the property Bratz. And so the company I was working for, Deke Entertainment, DIC, they're gone now thankfully, um, plunked down the troll dolls. Remember those troll dolls from like the 60s? Well, they revamped them to compete with the brats. And so now the trolls, trolls with a Z, (laughs) they're those ugly troll dolls, but they're wearing like slutty girl clothes. Like they're sluts, basically. They're slut trolls. 
And they're like, you got to write a show, write a show around the, the trolls. It was the worst fucking thing I've ever done. It took months and months to write the pilot. And then I got fired for it because <laughs> they're like, we want it edgy. And I wrote just what I liked. And then, um, and I got fired and then I got rehired later to punch up the scripts because old white guys are the ones that actually write the cartoons. And they hired 50 year old white men to write a show for tween girls. And guess what? 50 year old white guys with, uh, you know, cell phone holsters and dad sneakers, white new balance dad shoes and khakis are fucking lame and don't know what little girls are into. You know, at the time I was like 28 years old. So I, I was more in touch with youth. But you better get your life on the Smurfs. So yeah, that was the that was essentially what kind of fucked up children's stuff, and that's why it's that's why it's not just SpongeBob SquarePants. It's SpongeBob the Sleepy Bag. It's SpongeBob the T-shirt. It's or whatever the pro- the, the show is now that the kid the kids are into. It's not. It's it's never enough. It can't just be the TV show. You got to find a way, and that's how they create the characters. By the way depending on how the kids will respond to the toy. It's fucking evil. They have focus groups, and they ask kids to play with the toys, and then if they like the toy, then that character gets to be in the, in the cartoon. How evil is that? Yeah. Advertising, money. Same shit with television. Um, if you wonder, if you're looking at TV and sitcoms, and you're thinking to yourself, hey, why do these sitcoms suck? Why, why is everything spineless and... Um, and meaningless and shitty. Remember, remember shows like the Jeffersons. Remember shows like um, Sanford and Son. Wow, Red Fox. Wow, and his son Lamont, and they lived in a junkyard. Remember um, Good Times about black people, like a, a show about real black people, all in the family. Archie Bunker, the racist character. Like what? Shit, even Three's Company, man. E- even a show that was like. Jack Tripper pretending to be gay to live with two single girls. Like, wow, that was challenging something on some level. But no, not now. Can't do it. Now it's the uh, Big Bang Theory and How I Met Your Mother and um, sanitized dog shit shows, The Voice. Um, American Idol is canceled now. Uh, But you know why? Because GE has to sell products during, during the show. It's it's advertisers that sponsor these shows, and if the show is in any way, if it has content that offends anybody, if it by chance marginalizes any part of the viewing audience, um, they can't get as much money for the commercials, and and there you go, and the content of these shows suffers greatly because of the advertising, <laughs> which is fucking depressing as somebody that works in show business. Um, and I've experienced it. I'm, I've written on shows. I've pitched shows. It's the most spirit-crushing shit you will ever experience. Um, but that's why I love Netflix. I love, I'm so excited about, you know, the internet space, um, which is, they're doing amazing stuff. And I'm so happy Netflix is just crushing it with real shows that are challenging. You know, Orange is the New Black is awesome. <clears throat> You've got a cast of you know, quote unquote, unattractive people with the exception of, you know, Piper and her love interest. You've got fat lesbian characters, which is outstanding. Um, black people. Wow. That look like black people. That's, that's kind of weird too, <laughs> to see uh, gay, actual gay people, transgender, a transgendered character on a show. It would never happen on a, on a network like NBC or ABC or CBS. Why? Because some old lady in the Midwest 
is going to have a heart attack at the thought of viewing something that has an ounce of reality um, in it and General Electric won't pay up. So there you go. So sponsor, give your money to people that make cool shit and fuck these guys. Okay, so there we go. That's my thing. But I digress. <laughs> I get so fired up about the subject because like, I just, uh, it's, it, it, it really, it makes my a-hole pucker on so many levels, right? I mean, who hasn't been affected by consumerism? Who hasn't been made to feel like shit by a system that tells you you're ugly and that you need a bigger house? You need the house, the cars, the toys, the boat, the vacation home. You need it, man. You fucking need that. You need it, bro. You just need it. And you got to work hard to get it, by the way. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't come for free. So you got to work one job, two jobs, I don't know how many jobs, so that you can come home at the end of the night after your two jobs, watch television, and be told that you need more crap. So you got to go back to work the next day to go buy uh, the crap that you, you now need. You seen Fight Club? Holy shit. Let's start a fight club, you guys. But I start like an ashram club. I, start, I don't know if I do fighting. The boys can fight. But I want to do like a, yeah, let's do an ashram club. Here's Fight Club. This is probably the best fucking clip of uh, the whole movie. Here we go, Fight Club. I don't know. It's just when you buy furniture, you tell yourself, that's it. That's the last sofa I'm going to need. Whatever else happens, I've got that sofa problem handled. I had it all. I had a stereo that was very decent, a wardrobe that was getting very respectable. I was close to being complete. All gone. Do you know what a duvet is? Comfort. It's a blanket. Just a blanket. Why do guys like you and I know what a duvet is? Is this essential to our survival in the hunter-gatherer sense of the word? No. What are we then? Consumers. Right. We are consumers. We are byproducts of a lifestyle obsession. Murder, crime, poverty, these things don't concern me. What concerns me are celebrity magazines, television with 500 channels, some guy's name on my underwear, Rogaine, Viagra, Olestra. Martha Stewart. Martha's polishing the brass on the Titanic. It's all going down, man. I say never be complete. I say stop being perfect. I say let's evolve. Let the chips fall where they may. That's me. I could be wrong. Maybe it's a terrible tragedy. Nah, it's just, it's just stuff. It's not really tragedy. Well, you did lose a lot of versatile solutions for modern living. No, no, it's not. Oh, my, my insurance is probably going to cover that. So. What? The things you own end up owning you. Yeah, Tyler Durden. Again, Brad Pitt, what a dog, right? He's <laughs> such a dog. So hard to look at during that movie. I hate when he has his shirt off when he's fighting people. It's terrible. But yeah, what concerns me isn't poverty or crime or uh, real shit. It's, it's whether or not you have the duvet cover. <laughs> and I'm guilty. I mean, I think this is a, we're, we're in a, I think we're in a, regressive uh, time with all this. I feel like there's very little backlash to the the overwhelming amount 
of messages. I think the Kardashians exemplify what we're going through, and they're they're the ultimate consumers, right? They represent all the crap that's horrible, just horrible about our country. <laughs> to be perfect, to constantly look amazing, you know, the, the eyelashes, the the hair, the makeup, the clothes, the handbags. You need it. You need a five million dollar handbag. You need a five thousand dollar handbag. You can't possibly just have a handbag. You know, I I lived in a hotel once when I was filming a TV show like a year or two ago, and I lived in a hotel for about a month. And I I don't know. I needed a purse, and I just didn't bring I didn't bring the right size. So I went to the hotel lobby and I bought a bag that said LA on it, like a touristy bag, and um, I just used it as a handbag. <laughs> <laughs> for about three or four months, and my husband and oh oh, and I dropped it in the street one day. I dropped it in like a, a sewage drain type thing, and it was f- covered in filth, and it started to smell like sewer. And my husband was like, "What do you? What is that? What are you carrying?" <laughs> like it's my handbag, man. He's like, "You look like a hobo. You look crazy." And he went and he, and he went out and bless his bless his heart. He bought me a really nice handbag, like a fancy Michael Kors one, and it's so beautiful, like it's so beautiful. But I feel so guilty using it, and uh, like I only use it on special occasions. Like if I have like an important meeting where I have to look like I'm successful, I I bring out the Michael Kors bag. But the problem is I can't use it every day because I treat. My bag's like shit. Like I just throw them on the ground and throw them whatever. And I'm afraid of my stuff getting stolen. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm afraid of like advertising that I have this nice handbag that people can steal. So he's right. The stuff you own ends up owning you. Like I, I can't even take out the nice handbag because I'm terrified that somebody's going to jack me for it. I'd rather just have my, I carry a bag that I bought at the Gap for like 40 bucks. Who the fuck's going to steal my Gap purse, you know? You don't know what I got in there. I got all kinds of stuff. You don't know what I got. What? Okay, so I I absolutely I love commercials uh, in the sense that they're they're so horrible. Um, here's my my absolute favorite ads, by the way. I I love I live for mascara ads. I think that they epitomize. Ready? Oh, hold on. Sorry, that was a little. I just almost. Oh, wow. Um, I love mascara commercials for women because I think of all my problems as a modern day woman of all my issues in the world. Um, my eyelashes are one of the least they're one. They're kind of low on the, on the list of priorities and and problems. I would, my eyebrows. Yeah, those are a problem. I maintain them. Um, my hair is a problem for me. I get that maintained every few months too, but, but my eyelashes, no, but I love when they make it out to be like, it's the most amazing problem that needs to be solved. Here's one of my favorite commercials. Here you go. Ready to transform your lashes? Oh. 12 times more volume. <laughs> L'Oreal's first two-step volume construction oh, mascara. One, defining base for a scaffolding effect. <laughs> Two, breakthrough reservoir comb for extreme oh. volume. Wait, did you hear that? A, break th- a breakthrough reservoir comb. It's got a two-part... I'm confused. I'm confused. Oh, everybody's looking at her lashes, guys. Oh, everybody's stopping and looking, and people are spilling their drinks. Oh my God, are those her eyelashes? Boy, shocking. <laughs> That's so great. Dare to be daring. Dare because you're worth it. Oh, because you're worth it. Did you hear that, by Ready the way? Shot. Dare, dare to be daring because you're worth it. So, 
they're empowering women guys dare to be daring but in a safe way in a way that says you're you're still in the program you're you're still you're still within your allotted amount of power assume power but only the power uh to to make your eyelashes darker by using this product it's it's so fucking fantastic it's it's my favorite that's the problem with all this it's total like horseshit empowerment it's not like women guess what they're going to shut down planned parenthood take to the streets and riot just fucking riot until you get your rights because that would be real power right and this is my new favorite advertising campaign this is with matthew mcconaughey and it makes no sense um this is what this is the advertising dollar that's the anti-dollar advertising the anti-advertising campaigns are my favorite too because they're they're still selling you but these are a little more esoteric and matthew mcconaughey's in them and this is the fucking funniest thing ever okay ready here so this makes no sense. He's riding in the car. Matthew McConaughey's riding in the car. Okay. He's I've been driving a Lincoln since long before anybody paid me to drive one. <laughs> I didn't do it to be cool. I didn't do it to make a statement. I just liked it. <laughs> what? This is really weird. This is really, he's really intense. I just liked it. I've been driving. What? Please, at least go. I like it better when it's blatant because at least I understand what's going on. But that, I get, again, Matthew McConaughey's telling you if he likes it, you should like it. You want to be like Matthew McConaughey? You want to have rock hard abs? You want girls to blow you every 10 steps? Here's another one. Makes no sense. It's not about hugging trees. Oh, okay. It's not about being wasteful either. Just gotta find that balance. Yeah. Wait, can I find it in a Lincoln? MKZ hybrid? Or taking care of yourself takes care of more than just yourself. What? Taking care of yourself. That's a sweet spot. Take one, take <laughs> Shit's too deep for me, bros. So th- these are the absurd Lincoln ads that megastar Matthew McConaughey. Is <laughs> <laughs> absurdity. I don't. I don't even understand what he's. <sighs> Man, I'm so, so depressed. Here's a product I can get behind, though. I don't know if you guys have seen this one. I like this one. Hold on. Yeah. No, buy this product, though. The following commercial has been modified for a mature audience. Hi, I'm Bradley Michael Farts, and my family's been in the poop business for over 30 years. That's why we invented the poop tube. The poop tube revolutionizes the pooping experience. It really works. Now you can stand up and poop like a man. No more standing in long lines to wait to take poop. Did you ever have to take a poop at a family picnic? Now, all you need is a poop tube and a trash can. And the poop tube is for kids, too. And now, the tube smell is improved. It doesn't smell good, but it smells better than it used to. If you're like me, there's nothing more embarrassing than having to sit on a filthy toilet seat to take a poop. I'm BM Farts. 
My dad said I could sell the poop tube. My dad said I could sell the poop tube. <laughs> Great job. Mm, the poop the tube. following commercial the has been mo- That's obviously, it's Tim and Eric. It's not real. Tim and Eric, awesome show. Great job. The poop tube. I love how it addresses all your needs, right? It doesn't smell good, but it smells better than it used to. Don't you hate pooping? <laughs> so, okay, is consumerism all bad? Is it all bad? Um, look, the argument, the argument being that consumerism does... Uh, 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 could mean jobs for people, right? I mean, you gotta hold on. You gotta support the economy, guys. Consumerism is good because it creates jobs, and retail jobs are needed to sell. You know, manufacturing is needed to make those products, and you need drivers to transport the goods. And all these jobs provide income to workers and create taxable income to provide other needed services to the consumer. Did that sound like an ad? It was. Uh, the more that's consumed, the greater the need for jobs. Okay, so that's the argument for consumerism, right? It's fantastic. We create all these jobs and America it gets to be America. And, you know, unfortunately, um, and it's true. I think to some extent that's true. If we do it the right way, there are some companies that are sustainable and and um, don't outsource their stuff to h- horrific sweatshops in, in Bangladesh. Because that's that's really the um, the problem. Because to support consumerism, you need cheap products, right? And cheap products can't be manufactured in the U.S. because they're cheap. And we have a high standard of living, okay? And it costs more money. So they outsource these jobs, um, like I said, to people uh, in, in poorer countries. And it can be a good thing. But a lot of times they're, they don't pay them um, decent wages. And a lot of times their working conditions are so dangerous that you know, um, they actually get killed in these buildings. I, I saw a documentary about fashion, you know, and I'm guilty. I shop at Forever 21. I shop at H&M because it's cheap. Uh, unfortunately, the people <laughs> the people who made I'm wearing it right now, actually, as I'm looking down, um, the dude that made this worked in a super unsafe building or the woman who made this um, worked in an unsafe building and, you know, it's, it's horrible. They get, they get killed and stuff in buildings that collapse. God damn it. I mean, look, the point is we live in a wealthy enough country that we can do all this stuff responsibly, don't we? I mean, can't we have clothing companies? And there are a handful. I looked it up after I saw. I don't remember their names now, but I'm lazy. Uh, There are companies that do create products in a fair way and don't kill people and pay people the wages they deserve and stuff. So, it doesn't have to be all evil. Uh, we, you know, we just have to do consumerism a bit more responsibly. And unfortunately, in the U.S., we don't give a shit. So there you go. What else? Okay. And there's a lot of waste to being consumer uh, to being a consumer society. You know, we spend so much money on consumer goods, money that could be spent on on real people things. You know, like like health or solving global issues. Um, yeah. Is there a way out of the system of consumerism? Is there a way out? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I I mean, look, I try to minimize the amount of crap that I buy. I try to put myself in check, you know? Because, you know, like sometimes you find yourself buying the same shit that you have already at home. You're like, I need a shirt. And you end up buying the same shirt that you have already because you're not enjoying the shirt 
that you have already. <laughs> you know, I, I try not to, um, I try, I, and I do wear the same crap over and over. If you know me, if you see me perform even, I, I wear, I wear the same shit over and over. Cause I don't even like to think about dressing myself. Um, here's what I did this week. I didn't even tell you guys this. So I tried to be less wasteful and I just, um, I decided to use one, two bowls and one plate and two cups, a mug and a regular cup, like mug for coffee and then a cup. And then like just three utensils all week. Cause I realized like I make a ton of a mess. Like why the fuck am I using plates? Like, and just discarding them into the, into the dishwasher. It's retarded. Um, and I did it. I did it for like, <clears throat> excuse me, five days. And then I got super annoyed by the sixth day. And then I just gave up today. So I lasted for like a minute of just washing dishes and using the same one. <laughs> I think you can avoid consumerism or at least minimize the the messages that don't make sense by don't listen to everything, you know? And I, my husband makes fun of me because when we're watching a show and, and if we happen, to, if it's not on the DVR, we usually watch DVR programs, but uh, I don't, I don't listen to commercials. Of course I listen to the ones that I, hello, put before this podcast. I mean, and you should listen to those too, but the ones after, I don't listen to ads, dude. I'll turn down the volume. If I'm listening to the radio, I turn down those ads too, or I, I have Sirius XM in my car, so I fast forward. I refuse to be marketed to unless I, you know, there's things that I really care about. Um, I don't like being told what to like. Don't you fucking tell me what to like, bro. You hear me? And I do think there's some resistance to consumerism. Now I see things like the tiny house movement. I don't know if you've caught this. Um, these are people that opt instead of living in like a Winnebago, um, they live in a tiny home and they build these houses. They're like, you know, they're tiny. They're like 250 square feet or less or a little bit more, whatever, 500 and they're full houses and they have toilets and a little kitchen sink and then a tiny loft area sometimes you can sleep in. It's so freaking cool. It's a really interesting idea because you can you're kind of opting out of society in a way that you can move your tiny house. The idea being anywhere you want. You know, if you travel for work, it's a nice thing to have. You can put your tiny house, you know, on a lake somewhere and 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 you can live off the grid. Uh, which is kind of neat. But from people in this community, I've heard that there's problems with owning a tiny home. Um, You know, like why not just do an RV? Because it's like, okay, so here's the math of it. Let's say you spend 30 grand on your tiny house, like building one custom for you. You need a truck to tow it places. That's, That's the problem. That's the thing they don't tell you on the TV show is that it costs like money to have a truck excuse me, to tow your tiny house. So you're, I don't know, let's say you're buying a new truck. That's 40 to 50 grand. Oh God. Excuse me. I pregnancy up Chuck. So now you're spending 40 to 50 grand on a truck to tow your goddamn cheap tiny house around. So it's like kind of more economical to do an RV. Um, there's insurance. You have to pay for insurance. Tiny houses are much nicer than RVs. I understand that's why people like them. You know, they're wood, they're, the finishes are much nicer than an RV. RVs are, you know, can be, can be god awful. Um, then there's a question of where to park your tiny house. You know, do you put it in a field? Um, and if so, you're going to need electricity, which, you know, they have a little generator, I'm assuming. You have to dispose of waste. You need plumbing, sewage, sanitation stuff. You know, RV parks, 
Um, they have all that, but I, I don't know how, how different it is to hook it up to a tiny house. There's not always plumbing in the tiny house. BTW. They don't, uh, I don't know if they mentioned that on the show, but there's not always a lot of plumbing. So that's kind of the problem. Um, and those lofts are so teeny freaking tiny. How do they, they hit their heads um, on the loft bed when they go to bed at night. I always feel really bad for them. So yeah, it's kind of a cool thing because you're, you're off the grid a bit and I always like that. But you know, plus you got to live in a, you know, you got to sleep right next to where you shit. You don't want to do that, bros. Um, and then there's this thing called freeganism, which I just, I love people who try wacky stuff like this. Um, freeganism, it's for people who can, you can't. And I tell you, in the United States, there's so much waste. I mean, you could live off just the crap my house throws out. I know it. Um, and if you've ever been to a really poor country, you see that a lot of people do in fact live off the waste of, of other people. Uh, you can, you can live off the dumpster of almost any grocery store in, in the United States. Um, so freeganism, they're, they're essentially people that live off of the trash of others. They go and they, uh, dumpster dive to eat food. They, and then they, uh, I think they just pick up trash and they, they reuse stuff and it's totally, there's so much good crap that gets thrown out. But here's the problem with freeganism. I want to play you a little clip that I found of these two, uh, dirty Canadian hippies doing, they went on a dumpster dive. Hold on. Here they go. They're Canadian, I think. So, so we're at the Safeway dumpster right now. Okay. We're going to find some uh, goodies, I think. I don't know about that. Okay, so we're dumpster diving right now. All right. Oh, it stinks. Oh, it stinks, huh? Wow, dumpster stinks. It really, really stinks. Hmm. See, now that to me is deterrent number one from being a freaking dumpster diver is that it fucking stinks. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'll pay the extra. I'll pay the $250 for a box of cookies not to smell dumpster. How about that? Okay. Oh, look at those cookies. Look at the cookies covered in shit. Over there being wasted? Look at all that food. Like, what? Seriously? Should I go in? Don't go in. Look at that bread, though. It looks like perfect. I know. Are you really jumping in there? Well, I don't like see another way to get to it. Hey, look at oh, that nasty God. chicken right there. <laughs> right. See, that's the problem with dumpster diving is that it's nasty. And I like how this guy makes his girlfriend go in for it, too. What a jerk. <laughs> he's like, oh, look, he's taunting her. Like, look how good everything looks. Why don't you jump in there, honey? <laughs> so, okay, these two. There. There. All yeah, right. That's, oh, okay. Dry heaves. How cookies bad? I don't think they are. Should I grab a pack? We can grab one pack and bring it home and try it. Okay. okay so these okay. dirty hippies. Are really diving in? <laughs> Her face when she dives in is amazing. So, okay. So they they dumpster dive. They rescue these cookies out of the dumpster, These this normal, you know, yupster couple, and they take them back to the house. And now... Totally. Here they well, go. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. A boot. Ew. A bug. Oh, they brought in bugs from the dumpster. Oh, oh my God. Please don't kill them. Oh, oh, shut up. Got out of the dumpster. And sorry about the. Okay, now they're yeah. gonna eat them. Oh, seriously? Wanna try one? Yeah, I'll watch you eat one first, though. <laughs> Again, he's like, she's like, do you want to try it? He goes, uh, I'll watch you try it first, though. Cool guy. What a dick. So she's eating the cookie. They're good. Right? They're not mm-hmm. good. The look on her oh. face is like, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're. These are great. No, you eat them. They're so good. There's like 50 of these boxes in the dumpster. No, there's not. 
Don't don't eat that. Oh god, it's covered in trash juices. Ugh. Hmm. I mean, it's pretty good actually. Yeah. It's not. It's not pretty good. It's covered in filth, guys. There's bacteria all over it. All right, they're starving people in third world countries. And yeah. Here we are throwing good food away. No, it's not good food. Those are actually. sugar cookies, asshole. Okay, so the thing is, the girls of the grocery store threw away some Halloween sugar cookies, and these two dirty hippies are eating it. And they're trying to convince me that it's tasty. It's not. <sighs> okay, see, that's the problem. Uh, 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 is is that you don't want you don't want a dumpster dive, do you? Really? I mean, I get it. It's a it's kind of a cool idea, but <laughs> the problem is. You actually have to go inside of a filthy dumpster to rescue some sugar cookies that the grocery store threw out, which I know they throw out stuff, you know, uh, and with the expiration date that's ridiculous. Like, you can't obviously eat them, but you have to rescue them first from a filthy dumpster. So that's not cool. And I know yogurt's good a week beyond the date and eggs, too, but God damn it. It's too much work to be a, a freaking or a, a tiny houser, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, anyways, the point of the story is, can you escape consumerism? No. Can I? No. I can't. Um, do I have to participate in every fucking thing? No, of course not. You can be, you can use your discretion. You can recycle. You can be more conscientious about how you use the items that you do buy. And also, you know, you can spend, you can, you can choose how to spend your time and your money you know, like there's that article that came out about how $75,000 is the income that would make a person happy, quote, happy. So you get your basic needs met, you have health care, you can take a vacation. And I think that sounds about right, right? I mean, how much more crap do you need? And also they said that in that study that spending money on experiences is far more valuable than stuff. I tend to agree. I spend money on experiences, on trips and things that I'll remember and, and grow from. And there you go. But I do believe in in having money. I'm not going to poo-poo money. I think anybody that that says you don't need money is out of their minds, especially in this country where you have to pay for your own health care. Uh, you have to pay for everything. The, the government does not help you out here, unfortunately. So you got to work. Uh, you got to work hard a lot to to kind of, uh, especially in California, you know, our cost of living is pretty high. Um to have basic, your basic needs met. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I like having money more than I liked not having it. Cause I grew up not having a ton. And then my early twenties were spent poor. And, um, I, I absolutely hate when people say money can't buy happiness. I think that's the stupidest thing anybody's ever fucking said because it does. It absolutely buys happiness, but a very temporary form. And I think that's the key part to know bros is that, it doesn't buy lasting, sustaining happiness, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I like uh, I like eating in a nicer restaurant more than I like eating at McDonald's sometimes, not all the time. Um, I enjoy nice vacations. I like that stuff. I like all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with liking it. There's nothing wrong with liking money. Uh, but money is um, money is a spiritual thing in a weird way. Um it's kind of weird. Like people that you don't want to have a bad relationship with money either. You don't want to be like, Oh, money sucks. It's stupid because that's, that's no good. Cause that means you're going to, you're going to stay poor forever. You need to have a better relationship with money. If that's how you think. Cause a lot of times people get afraid of money and they rack up debt, credit card debt, consumer debt, 
and they don't have the balls to look at what's happening and they just let the uh you know they they let the the wound bleed they bleed out money instead of just looking at the emotional realities behind why they're losing their money money's emotional it's spiritual it's um it's a it's kind of a gauge of how you're doing in your head quite honestly you know if you're racking up a ton of consumer debt on credit i knew a girl when i graduated from college who spent $18,000 on handbags just handbags handbags and and clothing and do- you know bullshit not survival not groceries not and i understand racking up credit card debt to to live i've done that but she spent it on dumb shit and um you know that's a symptom of a bigger mental problem i think an emotional problem so how you see your money is is kind of a litmus for how your your mind is working right um and also what we buy um defines this Baudrillard. I discussed this in a previous episode, John Baudrillard's the politi- critique of a political economy of a sign. Um, people buy things to show that they belong to a group of people that identify that way. For instance, you buy a BMW because you want to belong to the group of people who also drive BMWs, right? Those people are sophisticated. Those people are... Uh, you know, supposedly classier than me, um, better looking than you and me. <laughs> it's a way to it's a way to identify yourself culturally, goods, branding, things like that. So there you go. When you think about what to buy, if you're a particular, if you're a brand person, think about why that is. What do you like? What are you identifying with emotionally? That's really what that crap is. Um. So there you go. Enjoy the shit you do have. I I forget to do that sometimes. There's a few. Things that I own that I just cherish, ridiculous things that I own uh, that I cherish. Uh, before you run out and buy something, think, oh, do I have something like this already? Uh, don't I own 10 shirts identical to this? Don't I, don't I, don't I have this crap? Yeah, look at the crap you already have, bros. Enjoy the shit you already have. I think that's all I had for you. Let me make sure I'm not... Um, forgetting anything i i love this topic and uh i'm glad this person wrote in asking me to do it because it's pretty fucking fun it's pretty fun okay i played you the poop tube that was fun we did fight club that was fun all right hold on oh i know what i wanted to do american psycho one of the also my favorite movies of all time um patrick bateman the ultimate yuppie is also surprise surprise a raging sociopathic killer that murders uh, prostitutes. <laughs> it's no, it's no, it's no coincidence that the author of the book that that movie's based on chose to put a murdering sociopath in the eighties, the most highly consumer vapid sort of empty decade of just mindless consuming and Coke and, uh, and just selfish behavior. So here's a, uh, Here's from American Psycho. Oh, I hate these. Here we go. More ads. Isn't that the best? You go to watch a YouTube clip and now you have to sit sit through another motherfuck ad. Um, Okay, so I'm going to take you out with this Huey Lewis and the News Bros. All right, bros. Stay deep. You like Huey Lewis and the News? They're okay. Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. 
whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. Hey, Alan. Yes, Alan? Why are there copies of the style section all over the place? Do you, you have a dog? A little chow or something? <laughs> no, Alan. Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. In 87, Huey released this. Four, their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to Be Square. A song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics, but they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of friends, it's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke. Or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.